Yes, hello and welcome to the Knees Up Mother Brown West Ham podcast, episode 8 of series 2 and we've got uh, some very special guests uh, for the show this week. Uh, firstly in the studio, James Longman is back. Hello. And also the editor-in-chief of kneesupmotherbrown.com, Graham Howlett. Hello chaps, thanks for having welcome me back, back Welcome back to the studio. Um, now, in fact, last time last time you were on, uh, the American guy listens to us said he couldn't understand your accent. So, uh, <laughs> was it you very slowly, very clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, of course, Graham, you're here today because we're <clears throat> we're honoured by an even more special guest on this episode of the podcast. Yes, we are, aren't we? No, I mean, you can't. <clears throat> an icon or a le- the word icon or legend doesn't do enough to describe uh, the magnitude of this guest, Billy Bonds. Billy Bonds, the great man. In Himself. Yeah, this is this is. I mean, ever since I've um, been doing KUMB, Billy is the one that I've wanted to get to speak to. So um, this is going to be extraordinarily interesting tonight. Hopefully, yeah. Look forward to this one. We what? thought, how can we follow up a three-nil victory at Tottenham? <laughs> 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 this is the only way. It's the only way. Um, so, going. What, I mean, is Billy Bonds right up there for you? One of your favourite players? I think so. I think you, you've got to look at. <clears throat> I mean, the the era that I grew up in was the. Uh, was uh, you know the sort of mid seventies, early eighties when um, it was probably the best West Ham team I've mm. ever seen in my lifetime. Anyway, mm. uh, that era of Devonshire and um, Devon, did I just say Devonshire? Devonshire. You're Devonshire. trying to I've got a Hobbit, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> Here we are in the Devonshire, Devonshire, uh, Brooking, Phil Parks, obviously the, the world's most expensive mm. goalkeeper at the time. It was, a, it was a brilliant time to be a West Ham fan. I think in in, in a way I'm possibly the world's worst um, glory hunt because the first game I ever uh, watched was West Ham beating Fulham in the. FA Cup final in mm. 1975 and oh, wow. obviously we uh, we made the uh, Cup Winners Cup final the following year so it was great to be a West Ham fan <laughs> and, and it's sort of all gone downhill since then really. <laughs> obviously we had the, the little period of 80-81 yeah. and the, the, the league in the mid-80s but since then it's sort of been a steady downhill trajectory <laughs> isn't it? Uh, but I mean looking at his, his career it's yeah. mad to me he joined in 1967 when you had Moore and uh, Peters and Hurston team and he, he yes. stopped playing in 1988 Incredible. when you had like Ian Bishop in yeah. the Incredible. It's crazy. He was 21 seasons in West Ham. Yes. Incredible. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, it's something that you're, you're very, very unlikely to see again. I think, aren't mm. you? I mean, there's, there's not going to be many players in in this era, especially at this level, where they're going to stay at a club for so long. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly is a, an outstanding achievement and something that, uh, as I say, we're unlikely to see again at West Ham. Yeah. 21 seasons. It's, it's madness, isn't <laughs> it? 21 seasons. It was. I think it was 41 and 221 days, yeah. something like that. Just an incredible age to be playing football um He's a little bit Billy Bonds. Is uh, kind of just outside of my era of uh, like sport, sporting West Ham and seeing him play. What What are your earliest memories of Billy Bonds, James? Well, I kind of, <clears throat> I kind of think that I, my only, my earliest memories are kind of. I guess I was kind of a glory hunter. I was three when we won the FA Cup <laughs> in nineteen eighty, and I thought that's the team. <laughs> and then when I was, I guess at school, around about the 85, 86 when we had the, the good, we had the good run, the good, the good year. The good year of our, uh, that's kind of what I remember most. I remember watching on, mainly on VHS. Yeah. I've still got a VHS at home, actually. I couldn't mm. get rid of it. But the season review yeah. um, and watching all of that, actually. So it's kind of, I guess when I was about eight, then I really kind of connected. Yeah. I, I, was, I mean, I've been just watching Billy Bond's clips for the last, for the last kind of 48 hours. Um, 
and just the way he played football was so combative. Like when you there's there's clips of him training with his shirt off, and the man is just like he's he's like something out of the um, what are they called the two hundred or the three hundred the three hundred close two hundred is a prequel. <laughs> but I mean, the man is a gladiator. Like he's yeah, running he's around fearsome. with his shirt off and is that hair. It's just a, a fearsome player. I mean, Graham, to watch him play must have been something else. It was. I mean, again, I, I probably saw the latter part of his career. Mm. Um, you know, I missed sort of the those those golden years of the, of the mid to, to late seventies, I suppose. But I mean, that that enduring image of Billy for me is him picking up the the cup. You know, in seventy five, yeah. yeah, where he's got the sort of kind of a long tousled hair and the yeah. beard's kind yeah. of blowing gently in the wind and there he is with the cup aloft it, it really yeah. is a quite a quite an enduring image um, and uh, interestingly enough it seems that we're all kind of sporting um, Billy beards in, <laughs> in, in the studio in tonight and, in and we've got our shirts off man. as well <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah interesting enough but, no I mean as a player he was exactly as you say Chris he was you know he's never say die um, yeah. no one would, would ever take the mickey out of him you knew that if you had Billy in your side you yeah. know, no one would uh, take liberties um, and he was just generally a, a great man off the field as well. I mean, you know, you don't like to eulogise too much and, and put your heroes on pedestals, I guess. Um, but, well, no, I suppose you do. That's why they're your heroes, isn't it, really? But, you know, I mean, we know that he was the first man out of the changing rooms. He was always mm. going home, straight home to his family. He's never really been one of the boys going out, getting um, drunk. I'll, I'll say yeah. that for the benefit of Career Hammer, of course. <laughs> um, rather than anything worse. But, you know, as a man, and I think that's why his career lasted so long, is the fact that he looked after himself physically and, and mentally as, as well. Was never out on the beer all the time. And I, I guess that must have a, you know, yeah, um, have a bearing in the long run yeah. as, as a professional sportsman. Yeah. Okay, well, he he was also. Uh, this is when I first became, started supporting West Ham. He was the manager there, um, but it, it seems like he had a bit of a difficult time. There's uh, Harry Redknapp's book is being serialised at the moment, and he says within that book that maybe Billy Bonds wasn't cut out for management, but maybe the game had kind of advanced and it wasn't as old school as Billy may have liked it to have been. How much truth do we think is in that accusation? James, I don't know. It's funny because I I loved those years. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we were up up at the top of the uh, championship. Then was mm. was it Division Two, and then we we were even more yo yo then. I used yeah. to love it. And it was just Billy Bonds and he was managing yeah. the team I love. So it's kind yeah. of they were they were happy years for me. Bizarrely. <laughs> I, remember, I remember my only mate, my main disappointment from that was I remember as a pitch invasion and we thought we'd won the Division Two, um, and then over a loudspeaker someone said. Uh, Oldman had won, didn't they? Like last kick of game, the Cambridge game, wasn't it? Yeah, and I thought, and that was my only disappointment for those times <laughs> that we didn't win the win the championship. But I used to, I just loved it. I didn't mind really. <laughs> so I thought it was perfect as a yeah. as a kid. I just thought, great. You yeah. don't really think it through, do you? No, uh, Graham. We were just saying just before. Um, I've never heard Billy Bonds say definitively why he left. I mean, is that? I think that's fair. I don't think anyone has, Chris. Yeah. Has, I don't think he's ever come out and. and uh, put it down on record exactly what went on behind mm. the scenes we know there was a disagreement yeah. um, obviously with uh, Harry he's his number two and, and upstairs um, it seemed that uh, they wanted to bring him into the ballroom didn't they and, yeah. and he obviously wasn't happy with that or at least wasn't happy the way that it was it was done or, or said um, so no I don't think it's ever really been revealed but as we know Bill being a, a family man a quiet man you yeah. know I, I don't think he's 
he's not Harry Redknapp. He's not going to sit there no. and write a book about it. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. and, and serialise it and tell the world. So um, maybe we'll never know. Maybe yeah. we'll find out later on maybe. in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe we will. Stick it's just he's just got class, hasn't he? That's, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the one thing you hear about Billy um, Bobby Moore too. Is that obviously Bobby Moore went through a hard time, but he never spoke about it. And there's just like a class to Bobby Moore that there also is to Billy Bonds. They're very much of that kind of West Ham classiness that wouldn't talk about it. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, but I'd say that I think there is perhaps a little bit of danger of, of, of building people up when yeah. they're not with us anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't do anything to, to denigrate Bobby Moore's memory, but there, you know, there, there are stories out there of him having a having a good night out, for example, shall we say. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, and we know yeah. he, he, he um, left his family, but, you know, I mean, it's, but Paragon's a, a virtue. Billy's up there with, with the best of them, really, you know, I yeah. mean, no, I don't think anyone's ever had a bad word to say about Bill, as far as I'm aware, anyway. No. And uh, obviously we know as well a consummate family man because uh, we're having to wait for Billy to pick up his daughter before we can call him. <laughs> so, I mean, just another example of what a lovely lovely man he is. Yeah. Doesn't want her to get wet in the rain. <laughs> uh, so we're now on the Knees at Mother Brown West Ham podcast. We have a man who epitomises the West Ham way in every way. He's a fixture at the club for 27 years, 21 seasons as player. No other man has played as many games for the club, 804 appearances. He lifted two FA Cups as captain, four-time Hammer of the Year, and as manager twice secured promotion to the top flight. Quite literally, a West Ham legend. A member of the British Empire, recipient of a PFA Merit Award by fellow professional players, and recently the first ever recipient of a West Ham United Lifetime Achievement Award. Welcome to the show, the immortal Billy Bonds. How are you, Billy? (laughs) How was that intro, too much? Sorry? (laughs) How was that intro, too much? Oh, very well. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> um, so, so first thing, Billy. Obviously, you've just recently received that lifetime achievement award. How was that for you? It must have been a very proud moment. Yeah, it was a lovely moment. Uh, not just for me, but uh, for all my family as well. Um, um, it was, you know, a lovely award to receive. Uh, the chairman spoke to me about it early on, and, uh, and and said he'd like to, you know, give me the award at the um, dinner in London. But I think the best part of it all for me was the uh, going to the ground with my, the whole of my family and taking them to little grand, granddaughters on the pitch, you know, because it was something I wanted them to see before we mm. uh, before we leave the ground there, just to see where I played and everything. And uh, that was a bit special. And I think all my, I know my two little granddaughters enjoyed, uh, enjoyed it and my two daughters enjoyed it. And uh, it was a great day for them, you know. Yeah. So have you shown, have your granddaughters seen footage of you playing, Billy? Uh, I doubt it. I wouldn't have thought they might have seen something on, you know, on TV. But uh, I, I, I very much doubt it. They, they, you know, it's. Uh, I've never played any um, videos or anything. I've never watched a video of, uh, of, of, of the cup finals, even myself. You know, so um, so I wouldn't think they have no. Mm. Well, uh, what kind of questions were they asking you? Do they have they kind of got an understanding of what you what you mean to West Ham? Uh, I, I don't know whether they know that. I mean, I think they got a good idea when they heard the, the applause out there and mm. everything. And uh, but um, you know, kids uh, at the schools, I suppose one or two of them. I know one of my, my even my little eight-year-old. There's one in her class who goes regularly to West Ham. You know, she's a massive West Ham fan with her mum and dad. Mm. And I think she said to my little, my youngest little one, you know what. I saw you go out on the pitch, uh, <laughs> you know. So, so you know, it's uh, it gets back, and they, they, it was a lovely moment for them. Mm. 
Um, walking back onto that pitch, did it feel like you were coming back home? Uh, I've, I've never been away, really. Mm. You know, I, it's, it's, I've, I've, uh, I, there's all this stuff with me with the club, and I've, I haven't, I've never had a problem with the club. It isn't why I, I don't come over. Um, it's, it's just that probably I, I've never been one for going back. Really, I think mm. you know, I don't, I don't want to sit in a in a stand and talk at people, you know, talking about oh, and your day, this and that, and uh, and you know, I. I, I I think when you've had your time, you've had your time sort of thing, you know, and I've left my mark on the club and that's great. You know, I'll be remembered in the future. Mm. Well, I mean, talking about memories, you've had the sort of career that any West Ham supporter would dream of. You've played with Bobby Moore and lift the FA Cup. If you could pick a moment, what would you say was the highlight of your career? Uh, people, it's, it's so difficult. I think mean, all I ever answer to that is just, play, just playing football, really, for a living. I mean, mm. that, that's one big highlight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. People would give their, you know, their, their right arm to to do what I did. You know, I started off working in a factory. You know, when <laughs> I was a kid, I was, before I went on Charlton's ground staff, uh, my dad got me an apprenticeship in a factory at Stones, fitting and turning big propeller ships and everything. Mm. And I was there six months. And I tell you what, I wouldn't have wanted to do that for a living all my life. <laughs> so it's not, what I'm trying to say is, it's, it's it's not easy for people, you know. And and I was so lucky. I got out of there, and uh, and I was able to do play football for a living. You know, imagine that playing, earning your living, doing something you'd kick about down the park like you used to do, and that. So every every day going in training, I had two great managers, John Vile, Ron Greenwood. Every day was a pleasure going and working with them because they were such great coaches. And um, just the whole thing, really. Obviously, there were highlights, cup finals and things mm. like that. But uh, just just going in and being a footballer and, and, and enjoying it. And the, and the fans as well, you know. I think the fans were great with me. They they got me through, um, you know. I played till I was, what, 42 nearly. And I don't, I don't think without the fans back, you know, I could have gone on that long, probably, you know. So... Mm. You know, it was. Uh, I loved the club, and uh, the fans were great to me, and, it's, and it was a great to play, play, do football for a living, really. Mm. You mentioned there. Um, you, obviously, you played with Ron Greenwood and John, John Lyle. What, played for them. Sorry. What What were they like? What were their differences? As what was the differences in their management style? Uh, well, really, I mean, uh, uh, Ron was John's mentor. Really, I mean, they were both. Uh, they both loved to get the ball down and play. They both talked about the game the same way. They were both two very intelligent people. You know, that, that remind me of a little bit of um, the England manager now. Uh, mm. You know, the way he, he talks about the game and uh, and uh, you know they. I, I think Ron was before his time as well. You know, he was doing things on free kicks and uh, and uh, we did very very rarely we didn't do a lot defensively. I know it might sound quite a on the pitch, but but. Uh, when I was a when I was a, a, a right back, I came to the club as a right back, and all Ron used to talk to me about was overlapping and getting forward, and taught me how to go, you know, get up the outside of wingers and stuff. It was never about, um, you know, tackling or anything. Well, I could do that anyway, but mm. uh, but and then when I became a midfield player, it was about, you know, he put me into midfield, and it was a, and people say. I was a holding midfield. I wasn't a holding midfield player. You know, sometimes I'd get beyond Trevor Brooking, and uh, if I wanted to get in the box, I could. You know, we didn't we didn't have holding midfield players back then. You know, really in our team anyway. And then when I became a centre half, the first thing he said to me, I remember that we, we, he tried me out at a game at Portsmouth, I think pre-season friendly or something, and all he kept talking to me about was, I want you to bring the ball out and start attacks. 
and that so that was the man's mentality and i think you know john took that on board and um and he was like ron the only thing i'd say was probably he was more of a disciplinarian than, mm. than ron maybe it was a little bit loose discipline wise with ron when i first went to the club whereas when john came in he was more disciplined and i think he started to sort of tie us down for corner kicks and organize us a little bit more at the back type of thing but ron greenwood make no doubt about it was a one of the best coaches ever you know he was a fantastic coach and uh, i think john john Lyle would tell you that if he was about now Mm. Um, I'm thinking of that crop of players that Ron Ron Greenwood had as well. I mean, what was it like to play with Bobby Moore, Martin Peters, Jeff Hurst in that team? Oh, what, what, a, what a place to go and learn! You, you know, I, I, I was I was at Charlton. I was a big raw right back there, and I used to be able to get up and down the pitch. You know, um, but what a place to go and learn your trade. You know, that's where I where I learned you know everything at the, at the club and uh, just playing with those sort of players. You know, you 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 had to. You know, you had to learn off of them, and uh, it, you know it was it was daunting. I wouldn't say it wasn't mm. daunting. I mean, I, I met Bobby when he was, when I was about fourteen years old, and uh, uh, he came over and presented medals to us at my um, at the end of season. Do we won the cup and the league? And uh, he came over. He was only about eighteen, Bobby then, and I didn't know who he was. We didn't even know who he was. We knew he was a good-looking lad, fit, and uh, he was a footballer who played for West Ham because we were mostly all Charlton. Uh, uh, you know, supporters and uh, little did I know that you know maybe five six seven years later I was playing with Bobby Moore at Upton Park so it was it was daunting you know I always remembered that meeting with him when I was 14 and uh, and then to take over as captain from him was, mm. was you know was, was was the next step and you know I had, a, I had big boots to fill there you know so it, well, it wasn't going to be easy for me yeah, and of course, so of course you took the captaincy over from Bobby Moore, and then in 1975 you were playing in a cup final against him. What was that? Must have been strange to be lining up against Bobby Moore on that day. Yeah, it was weird. It was, uh, you know, Bobby left the club. I think he, he, you could sense he was, him and Ron had had a falling out, you know. He, he, I forget what it was over now, I think. Uh, but they'd had a falling out, and he, he, was, he left the club, went to Fulham. Uh, but like all great players, they always bounce back, you know. And Moro ends up in a cup final with a, <laughs> with a second division side, you know. Alan, mind you, they had some good players. I mean, Alan Mallory was in there with mm. him, you know, uh, another terrific player. And um, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think when you go into a cup final, though, you, I mean, nobody. I thought the world of Bob, you know, he was a fantastic, I loved him as a person, you know, and uh, probably always in awe of him to say he was a, a great friend of mine because I was always in awe of the fellow, but, uh, you know, he was always very good to me, lovely man, and, but when you go into a cup final, doesn't matter if, you're, if, you're, if your mother's out there, you want to go and win, and, uh, you know, that is all it's all about, you know, nobody remembers uh, people who, who lose cup finals so hmm. it's all about going out and winning on the day we didn't play particularly well uh, Alan Taylor had that little golden spell for him you know we had a goalkeeper against us who was was kind to us in a way <laughs> 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 he didn't have the greatest of games so we ended up winning it and, and over history afterwards then you think about Bobby you know the first bloke you go and see is Bobby yeah I was, in fact I was watching the footage back of the 1975 I think as soon as that full time whistle's what goes? Thing is, it yourself and Frank Lampard make a beeline for him straight yeah, after. The... I, th- I think Graham was there as well. You know, we all uh, you, you could see he was disappointed, and uh, you know, um, 
I, I, I was lucky. I played in two cup finals and didn't lose any of them, so <laughs> I didn't get the feeling about that. I got the feeling in the League Cup one, but uh, but you knew how he felt. His, his old head was bowed, and we just went over. and uh, And all you can say is, you know, sorry. Well, you didn't say sorry, but unlucky, you know, <laughs> but I don't forget what I did say to him. But you just go over to console him, really, you know. Mm. Um, we, we were saying earlier you played for West Ham for 21 seasons had such a storied career um, who, who are the standout players for you that you played with? Oh, uh, more I would have to be you know more mm. I was a fantastic uh, you know people said he couldn't he couldn't tackle he could, he, he, he could tackle Bob He's, he was all about time and he wasn't a powerhouse tackler you know he wouldn't mm. go through people and that he was a, it was all about time and within not the greatest header of a ball in training, he was probably one of the slower ones, you know, mm. in, in the running thing. But he had this great uh, ability to read games, you know, and uh, and he had this magnetism about him. There was something about him, you know, the blonde hair, and he he was just, you know, he was a he was a fantastic footballer. He, he, I can see him now, you know, knocking balls up to Hurst's chest and uh, and just breaking up attacks by just reading the game, you know. And he was a real. If you if you think about somebody who could play and he was international football, then he was your man. You know, he was he was made for international football. You know, just playing against the great players and stuff. And uh, and he was he was just a great player. Trevor Brookin, mm. fantastic talent in midfield. You know, he was uh, when I played with him in midfield, I could always just stick a ball up the side of him. As long as I played it up the right side, he'd always be on the half turn. And as long as I played it up onto his back foot, sometimes he wouldn't even have to stop it. He just let it run and beat somebody by just not even touching the ball. You know, mm. he was a he was a fantastic player. But there's lots: Alvin Martin, Alan Devonshire, Pop Robson, and I, I don't like naming because I'm, I'm going to miss out. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get slaughtered. By <laughs> that, I so, but there was, you know, there was a Parksy, world class, Ray Stewart. You know, mm. there was some really great players: Martin Peters, Jeff Hurst, Boise. Yeah, there were so many. You know, some uh, some really fantastic players over there. Mm. And also, just some brilliant characters. You know, you start yeah. naming those people, you think, what great characters they were. Yeah, you know, they're, 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 I think uh, the thing about a lot of them, though, there, there wasn't too many flashes there, you know. Yeah. Um, certainly in the in the cup, uh, the, probably the, the cup final sides of uh, I played in, you know, you, you didn't get any real Larry ones there, you know. The especially the eighty one, you know, that was uh, they were all a lot of that side would getting you probably your best ever West Ham team, you know, a lot of mm. people, you know, and uh, uh, but. Um, you know, it was it was a good. They were good groups. You know, you were, there weren't any Larry ones, and if they were, they soon got sorted out, sort of thing. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were talking earlier about the longevity of Ryan Giggs' career, but he's got nothing on you. You were in the West Ham team right up until you were forty-one years and two hundred twenty-one days. How did you manage to have such a lengthy career when you were such a like a combative uh, player? Lucky in re- that respect, because mm. uh, well, I must have got into a million tackles, and uh, <laughs> and you know what it's like. Well, you know, you you you're. I always remember when I was in hospital, I was having a, I'd lost, uh, I had an infection in my toe and I missed the whole of the 86 season. Mm. And um, I, I, I was laying next door to, I think his name was one of the Ampofo boys, and I'm not sure what one it was, but he'd mm. broken his leg in a youth team game at Upton Park. And I was laying in the bed, he was laying in the bed next door to me. And... Um, I was 39 years old then, and uh, I'd had a, a half of my toe taken off. Yeah. And uh, I always think 
that, you know, I always think about that kid because I was 39 years old and I actually got over that again mm. and, and went on to play a couple more years. That kid's career finished at 17. So wow. that's our, that's our, that's, our, that's, the, that's just how dicey it all is, you know. Mm. You get a bad one and it can finish you, you know, especially back then when, you know, nowadays operations you can have and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, but it's, it's moved on a bit. But, you know, you just had to get a bad one and maybe I'd have played like the same as that kid. Maybe wouldn't have got anywhere sort of thing. So you have to be a bit lucky, you know, when you're doing and, and, and be a bit knowledgeable what you're doing out there as well, you know, when you're in that sort of environment. But, uh, but no, I was, I, I was, I was, and I was very fit. I was lucky. I was, that was my hmm. big strength. I could run all day sort of thing, you know. Um, I was going to ask, how, what was it like, like trying to keep pace with everyone at 41? Was that must have been tough? No, I remember, um, I remember one of the uh, highlights really. I, I played against Paul Gascoigne. I think he oh. he made his debut against us. As oh. a, I think he was sixteen or seventeen. Mm. I'm not sure. He, loved, he was very young, and I was 39 years old, and I was playing <laughs> midfield that day. And, uh, and you know, I did, I did okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> he did all right, but I mean, he was a chirpy little bugger. He was giving me plenty of, you know, and, uh, and I, I never forget that he didn't stop rabbiting at me all through the game, and stuff like that. You know, and uh, but I, I think it was uh, a fifty-fifty. We we it was even, you know, even Stephen. So, hmm. but no, I just I, I didn't have a problem. You know, I think um, I probably could have gone on. I think I could have gone on another four or five years. <laughs> no, not at that level. Oh, right. But, but down the mm. league. But then when you go down the leagues a little bit, you you probably have to do a little... Well, you you probably do have to do a little bit more running because you don't always get the ball back sort mm. of thing, you know. So, so but uh, my wife started to say to me, you know, you're looking a bit gaunt now and stuff. <laughs> and I thought, oh, maybe. I went and saw John and John said, well, you know, I've... I've there's always a job here for you, and uh, I thought, well, I'll take that, you know, and, and you know, so I went on uh, to the uh, youth team. So, so, but no, I was very, very lucky to play as long as I did. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, um, you became the seventh manager of the club in February 1990. Um, was becoming manager everything you expected? Um, uh, yeah, probably. I mean, it's all it was all new to me. I'd never sort of all I'd ever hmm. done is play and. Uh, and then obviously, uh, I think I, I was in the right place at the right time in a way because uh, obviously I was a, a crowd's favourite. Uh, mm. I don't like saying, you know, I blame it, you know, but they like me the crowd. And um, and Lou had a bit of a, you know, sorry time there. We all know what happened. Mm. Won't, we won't go into all that. But uh, and then I, I suppose I was the obvious choice to take over. And. Um, and I think back then, you know, you, you didn't have a chief executive. I had a secretary, Tom Finn, who was great. Mm. But I, it was basically, you know, uh, I wasn't running the club, but I had a budget and I could do what I wanted with it, basically. But I had I had Tom Finn behind me, guiding me through the financial stuff, you know. Mm. But, um, no, I, I think it's everything I thought it would be. Uh, and uh, I, I, I won't say that... Uh, I enjoyed it. I think it's uh, enjoyment out of winning games. It was great when mm. you won a game, but you come home Saturday night and you'd be like as high as a kite, you know, because it's like winning any game mm. of football. And then you were going after Sunday and you got Monday morning and uh, it's, it's, it's the grind all over again. But mm. I'm pleased I did it. Um, 
I think I did fairly well at it, probably as good as 75% who've ever managed any <laughs> football club. Uh, you know, you get your top men, you know, your, your Alex Ferguson's and people like that. And uh, probably I, I did as much as mo- a lot of people have done. And uh, and I, I enjoyed it, but um, I suppose it was never going to be long term for me. You know, it never replaced football for me, really. Playing football was my, mm. my love. Managing was my job. Yeah. Um, well, in your first full season as West Ham manager, you reached the FA Cup semi-final at Villa Park. We know yeah. what the referee did that day, but um, <laughs> do you recall yeah. the West Ham fans singing Billy Bond's Claret and Blue Army non-stop? I'll never forget it. <laughs> How could you forget it? My goodness, man. It was unbelievable. I think it's in the Guinness Book of Records. Really? Yeah. I think so. I think it's the longest chant ever. Uh, it was incredible, yeah. I mean, that's, that's typical, isn't it? You know, they're, mm. you know, they're watching us getting hammered, and uh, <laughs> it was a shame because... Uh, I'm not saying we'd have gone on and won the game, but we were in there with a shout, no mm. doubt about it, because Forrest weren't playing that well. I think Georgie Paris has had a, had a chance, and then Gowley uh, goes and gets sent off. It was a, it was a, not a good, you know, it was a bad decision, but I'm afraid that, you know, you have to, you have to take the rough with a smooth in football. You hear a lot of people moaning about decisions they get against them and that, but you just hope it evens up in your career, you know, you need a bit of luck and that, and we didn't mm. get the rub of the green that day. <laughs> So that's Billy Bonds on the Knees Up Brother Brown West Ham podcast. I guess that is part one. Part one. Of two. Um, and it was interesting just to hear him talk then about the fans. And um, you get the impression that, you know, talking about just the, the 1991 uh, semi-final, him hearing the fans chant his name, obviously it connected with him and he obviously has a lot of uh, feelings for the fans. Yeah, I think so. It really comes through there, Chris, doesn't mm. it? I mean, we hear... Um, certain stories about Bill that he doesn't really like to get involved with football or any any sport mm. apart from you know the American football I think he's a big fan of but um, I think that goes to show that he genuinely has a, a real love for the club and um, the, the supporters and the support they gave him over the years really really does mean a lot to mm. him which is perhaps something that he's never come out and, and said before um, publicly so uh, it's, it's nice to know I guess as a fan but uh, yeah it uh, should be good. Should be good. Part two. Part two. Part two. James, James <laughs> you just talked to Billy Bonds. Yes. What a, what a lovely, humble, classy mm. guy. That's yeah. what we're kind of saying. He's got the. He's. Just, you don't often see that anymore because, I don't know why, but mm. things have changed, and it's nice to hear a man who actually just loved what he did. Yeah. And it's interesting. He said about the, about football was his love, and kind of managing was a job. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, what a man. What yeah. man, Billy Bonds. <laughs> yeah, making his debut. Debut. Many, many more to come. Yeah. Loves it. Fan of the show. Yeah, big fan <laughs> of this every week. Him and Avram Grant are uh, <laughs> Lifetime Achievement Award winners on the podcast. Um, well, thanks very much. I guess that concludes this episode. Graham, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me back. And uh, James? Yep. Well done. Lovely to be here. <laughs> you can follow Graham on Twitter at K-U-M-B-D-O-T-C-O-M. James is on Long As One. And Chris, myself, I'm on CJ Skull, Skull with a C. You can also uh, follow, or you can also uh, join the Nizza Brother Brown Facebook group. You can go on the forums and discuss things there. Or you can just send an email to editor at K-U-M-B-D-O-T-C-O-M. Yes, I'll talk to anyone. <laughs> If you're anyone, just want to chat, just uh, just get inside. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Uh, look forward to part two. Yep. Go on, you irons. Go on, you irons. <laughs>